Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insight podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti, and today I'm joined by holistic and integrative nutritionist, uh, Nathan Pulvacala. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nathan. You're very welcome. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. Um, Do you mind introducing yourself and telling us what you do? Sure. My name is Nathan McCullough, and I am an integrative nutritionist and a holistic health coach. So um, in, in terms of nutritionist, an integrative nutritionist is someone that doesn't work with just food. They integrate a lot of different modalities. And a holistic health coach is someone that focuses on like the whole person instead of working in sort of compartmentalizing um, specific aspects of health or anything like that, right? So it's, it's an integrative and a holistic approach to wellness. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, your approach to wellness um, and nutrition and physical health in general in a bit. Uh, but before we kind of get into that, uh, we have a segment called um, Have You Met Nathan Fulmacolor? Um, in which I'm going to ask you um, a bunch of questions and you don't have to think too much about it. Just first thing that comes to your head. Um, and uh, we're going to get to know you real quick before we get into the meat of the episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. Cool. Um, so what is your favorite, uh, favorite book? My favorite book. So I have, uh, there are two of them. One is from essentially my, my childhood. And it was the one that sort of shaped my, my early childhood, teenage years. Um, and that is, it's, it's the Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings and kind of that whole book series that's around that. My mom read The Hobbit to my brother and I when I was young, and um, it really sparked my imagination. It was something I fell in love with the whole like lore, Middle Earth, um, yeah. all of that. So I'm it's I, so still something easy to that fall I'm in very, love with. Yeah, yeah, still something I'm, I'm passionate about. Um, and then in my book, Being in Time is another book. So I I, I have a, actually a master's degree in philosophy and started a PhD program. Um, in philosophy at Southern Illinois before the financial collapse in 2008. So the kind of the second half of my life has been really dominated by a, I don't want to say obsession, but a, like a passion for philosophy and being in time is a book written by Martin Heidegger. And it has really shaped the way that I think about health actually as well. Mm -hmm. Um, What about your favorite movie? My favorite movie is a movie called Wedding Crashers, which is a comedy. (laughs) It's a comedy with Vince Vaughn and uh, Owen Wilson. And I've seen the movie many, many, many times. Yeah, Wedding Crashers is definitely uh, definitely a classic. Um, What's your favorite podcast or a podcast you listen to frequently? Well, I'm obsessed with podcasts. I think that long form conversations like this and um, ones that we find on podcasts and YouTube are really the future of education. 
Um, oh my gosh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So Aubrey Marcus is one that comes to mind. So he's someone that's been a big, uh, had a huge influence on me. So Aubrey Marcus podcast. And yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. One, one is better than none. <laughs> What's a famous role model that you have looked up to? A famous role model that I've, that I've looked up to. I mean, I grew up watching sports a lot. Um, so Cal Ripken, I'm, I'm from Baltimore area and he was the Iron Man. He had the longest, the longest, uh, streak of not missing any games. And so that huge, huge influence on me on not needing to be the best, but showing up every day. Right. Um, I'm not from America. What sport is that? He's a baseball player. <laughs> baseball. Gotcha. Right. That puts things into perspective. Um, what was the last course you've completed? The last course I completed, I mean, I do a lot. I do courses all the time. So <laughs> ongoing education is something I'm, I'm big into. Um, I got a, my master's from Kent State in, in Ohio in 2008. Um, I got my health coaching certification from... Uh, a, a, a company called Holistic MBA in 2014, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably the last two certified programs that I've completed. Right. Awesome. All right. That concludes our segment where we got to know you and I think we know you significantly. So Great. let's move on, I guess, to the main uh, topic, which is where we talk about physical health um, and how you approach it from a holistic perspective. Um, okay. First, I wanted to ask, how would you define personal development? Uh, I mean, personal development is a concept. I mean, so for me, personal development is kind of the process of diving deeper and discovering who you are. Um, I've been coaching people for over a decade now. And one thing that is constant is that everybody has a kind of narrative or story about who they are, about who other people are, the way that the world is. And for me, personal development is the process of kind of shedding more and more awareness on those things so that things that are not in your view begin to come in view. So the process of kind of deepening your own self-awareness. So that's, I think, how I would define personal development. Mm, It's kind of like knowing more about yourself helps you expand your horizons. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, What do you feel are kind of the biggest challenges um, with regards to personal development? Uh, okay. So this is a question I talk about a lot because I Mm -hmm. am a huge proponent of personal development. And I also believe that there are significant challenges that can come into it. One of the Mm -hmm. biggest ones is focusing on personal development as a coping mechanism, right? So a lot of people will get into personal development because they want to grow and they want more out of life and they want to be able to understand themselves better And then there's kind of a gray area where personal development can, not for everyone, but it can start to become a crutch where you're reading books, you're listening to audios, you're going to courses, and you're you're not applying what you're learning. 
Mm. Right. There's a difference between understanding something conceptually and having a having a breakthrough or a transformation. Right. And that those a breakthrough or a transformation is only something that happens through the repeated application of a concept. So that's the biggest thing that I see is a lot of times people will get mired in just continuing to do personal development and Mm. not actually focusing on application. Yeah, actually, when you put it that way, that's something that I have experienced in the past as well, where like I will learn about how to improve myself um, when I'm in a tough spot as a means to kind of feel like I have control over the situation um, almost. Is that something mm-hmm. that you found a lot when talking to people? Yeah, I mean, I think control is a big thing for a lot of people. And oftentimes the illusion of control can be very, very uh, attractive for people. Mm -hmm. So they will do this work and um, it gives them a sense of power, which is important. Mm -hmm. Um, But control is not something that we'll ever have really, right? So when it becomes about that, you start chasing something versus empowerment is you don't need the end, the thing that you're, you know, you're, you're running towards, mm-hmm. right. You're using something and you're being, you're being used by the personal development versus having it be something that you're chasing. And that in that sense, it's, you're, you're trying to fill a void versus mm-hmm. create something. And mm-hmm. that's a challenge. I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. So I'm someone that's been in long-term recovery from addiction, right? That's kind of how I got into the holistic wellness field. And personal development was something that helped me get out of a rut that I was in in my life. Mm-hmm. And it also became a tool that I used to kind of fix myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when personal development can, can kind of turn on itself when you start trying to fix something that's broken versus, you know, just accept yourself the way that you are and right, strive yeah. for more. Right. Yeah. So it should kind of be less um, a frantic, you know, putting a bandaid on things and more just a gradual improvement of self and a gradual growth. Yeah. With an awareness that there's nothing wrong with you, right? We can all get better and we can all get get more skilled and we can all become more self-aware, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Mm. I think that's such an optimistic way of looking at it. Um, How would you define physical health? Uh, physical health for me is a little bit more concrete. So for me, physical health is the experience of well-being. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the really like a tangible experience that life is going well, right? The, 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 the well-being along with, let's say, vitality or the, the, um, the, the presence of, say, energy or something like that, right? So one is in the body. And it's, it's the experience of not being limited and feeling good in your body. And then the other one would be more of a, a sense or an experience of well-being. That's how I would define it. Right. Yeah. How, I guess, how would someone then kind of know <laughs> if they were physically healthy? Like if you kind of define it that way, how is that something that someone might be able to sense either a problem in or a lack there, a lack thereof. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's an interesting question. I think for un, unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, they don't they don't really discover what 
physical wellness is mm. until they begin to lose it or there's kind of a um, they, they go down a path where they don't they feel unwell or they right. feel disconnected yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. And then when it click when it clicks again, it's unmistakable, right? So once you've lost it, it's easy to identify, wow, clarity of mind, feeling mm-hmm. of, of, of optimism, the, the experience of that you're, that you're headed down a path that you enjoy. Um, I think those things are um, often easier to understand or pick up when there's been a, a lack of that at some point. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, how do you feel that physical health relates to personal development? Physical health relates to personal. I mean, I think that they're 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 intricately interwoven. I, I would say that they're kind of two sides of two sides of one coin. Um, oftentimes, oftentimes we do silo them, and I think that that's a mistake. I do. I, I think that. Um, personal development is something that can lead to a greater sense of control. Like you were saying earlier, a greater, mm-hmm. greater sense of empowerment, um, a greater sense of purpose. And oftentimes the physical health can really aid in that process, right? It's very difficult to feel empowered if you're, if you're, if your body doesn't feel good and if you don't have energy and if you have yeah. brain fog and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just having physical health, right? You you also want to be developing yourself personally and headed towards, you know, mm-hmm. a telos is a is a Greek term that is kind of like your self actualization, let's say. Um, right. So I think having both of those dynamics be interwoven is something that's very important for a life well lived. Yeah. And I think like, it's like a sub of moving parts thing, right? Like if one thing isn't quite working right, then you're not going to be able to function everywhere else. Almost like it just gets harder. I guess when you're, how do I phrase this? When you're targeting one problem, um, you don't really have enough time to focus on the other things that are working. Maybe at 70% capacity, for example. Yeah, just like in any area of your life, if you're always putting out fires, you, it's mm-hmm. very hard. You you always have uh, there's not enough energy to then be in creation mode, right? So you don't yeah. want to be in a situation where you're putting out fires all the time because you don't have energy at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, now we've talked a bit about, I guess, the challenges that can inhibit someone from attaining personal development or achieving that. Mm-hmm. Um, What are the challenges with someone kind of improving and managing their physical health? Uh, Interesting question, because I think it's tied into the personal development part, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes our limiting beliefs, um, especially around time um, and energy, right? Mm -hmm. In my personal opinion, time is a conversation, right? It's not something that actually exists. It's something that we can measure on a clock, but oftentimes it's a conversation that we have. And I think that the the biggest challenge is thinking that you have to give up something in order to have the the other one, right? Like like right. you have to give up being successful in order to be more fit or you have to um that you have to give up something, right? That you mm. can't have that you can't have them you can't have them both. Um oftentimes people say I don't have time 
to work out or I don't have time to go to the grocery store. I don't have a time to meditate. I don't have time to do these things. But if they were actually doing them, they would have a lot more time because they would be much more productive. They'd be much more connected. They'd be much more in touch with their purpose. Um, so I think that's one, one of the biggest challenges is thinking that you have to give up being productive in order to be well. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, we focus so much on productivity. We just don't realize how important being like just healthy and well is in, in helping us actually be as productive as we'd like. I know for me often, like, I feel like I'm giving up sleep in order to, you know, get things done. Um, and I think that's pretty common around a lot of people. That's what they tend to give up, but it is so dangerous to be sleeping less than usual. Yeah, I mean, one hundred million percent. Uh, sleep is probably. I mean, all the studies that have been, that have come out recently show that sleep is the most. It's it's number one. So mm -hmm. if you if you can optimize for one thing, uh, it should be sleep. I mean that that has uh, a huge. It has a huge role to play in all areas of your life. When you don't sleep enough, your DNA literally begins to fade over time. Mm -hmm. And so if you go enough nights without getting enough sleep and you're, and you're sacrificing sleep in order to get things done, um, there is a huge, uh, there's a huge risk that, that happens over time. I actually just, I actually am working on a paper right now called human flourishing. And the difference is the, the difference is versus optim human optimization versus human flourishing and human mm -hmm. optimization is this, insane trend that we've seen towards to optimize for productivity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the younger kids are the most, um, the, the most guilty of this, right? You have yeah. this whole generation of burnout. They call it, they call it burnout culture, literally. Mm -hmm. And it's people who are like working themselves to death for, to use a, you know, for a lack of a better term. Um, and I think that that's, I think it's a huge mistake. I think human flourishing, which is more holistic and looking at optimizing, you know, multiple areas of your life. Mm -hmm. I think that is a much more worthy, um, game to play. How do people perhaps begin to reprioritize their life and reprioritize their health? Um, so that's something that I work on with every client, right? This is the number one thing that we work on. The, the advice always is schedule in your, your, um, your health routine, schedule in your, your family or your, your, your key relationships, and you schedule in time for your mental health and things like that. So you put it, we call them big rocks. So you put the big rocks in first in your schedule, and then you schedule the rest of your work, um, uh, around those things. You know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was like 15 years old and the, the tendency is to give up sleep is to give up time is to give up vacations is to give up all of that in order to produce and to be able to build something which is admirable. Um, but ultimately it, it, it will, it will end up having diminishing returns over time. So that's really the key that I always work with people is put in the big rocks first, and then you schedule the rest of your life around the, the critical things. The mm -hmm. first things that go out are time with your wife or time with your kids, time at the gym, time yeah. meditation. Those are often the first things that go out in, in service of um, whatever productivity-based things are there 
and it's it's a huge mistake. So you mentioned, you know, time with the family um, and time with, you know, spent spent on your relationships. Would you consider that kind of an aspect of like physical health as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, their physical health has, you know, multiple components. Mm -hmm. And I would say that a spiritual, let's say spiritual practice, right? Mm -hmm. I would not divorce that or separate that from physical health. You know, there is an alignment between these things that when they're, when they're in, when they're in alignment, you are physically well. I mean, yoga, right? Let's, let's take Mm -hmm. yoga, right? My wife is a, my wife is actually a yoga instructor. Um, yoga literally means union and it is the, it's the unification of your physical body with whatever you call the spiritual dimension. So they, they think about that as a, let's say a continuum, right? There's not, they're not separated. And I think that that is a much more healthy perspective to think of those things on the same continuum. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree. I think like uh, we are so I myself am so guilty of like neglecting, you know, relationships and kind of being like, oh, I don't have time for that right now later. Um, and it's so difficult to kind of tell myself that like I should actually be making time for this because it will actually make me feel better, um, yeah. especially during the week and that kind of thing. Um, in terms of, I guess, Going back to, you know, how to prioritize putting those big rocks in, um, something that like, I guess people find it very difficult is often they will put work first. What do you tell kind of your clients or people that you chat to? How how do you get them away from that mindset? Well, I think it's focusing on what they want, right? Instead of, instead of having it be, um, you know, a tangible thing in terms of like more money, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, right? Why do you want that? Sometimes you hear people call, talk about their why, right? Finding your, your deep why, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's often buried underneath of what you're doing. So people focus so much on the what, which is the activities, the, 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 the physical things that they want, that they don't really spend a lot of time figuring out why, you know, why is that important? And I think a lot of times if you do that deeper work, you'll discover that you're actually sacrificing the the thing, the, 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 the deeper reasons why you're doing the things that you're doing. You're actually sacrificing the reason why you're doing those things in the first place. So exactly what you said, reprioritizing is a process of getting clear for yourself. What do you want? What's the time frame that you want it in? And why is it important? Right. Because oftentimes that deeper, the deeper why is much more motivating. Right. It's much more driving. And there are often other ways to get that the why than just than just the, the what and what people are already doing. So you, you it's very important, I think, that people look, you know, based on what you're doing. You're just going to keep getting more of the same if you keep doing the same things. So yeah. if you're looking for. More, let's say more fulfillment mm-hmm. then just optimizing for productivity is not going to do that. You might you need to play golf if that makes you happy. You, you know, my wife has started painting recently, you know, and like it, she loves that makes her happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And now if you're looking for pure optimization, would you spend time painting? Um, not the logical mind, but the thing is the, the happier that you are, the more productive, the more useful, that you are. So it, I think it's a, it's a matter of, of understanding that, you know, 
being human is much deeper than 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 what we produce. Um, so that's, that, that, that's the, the, the number one thing that we work on actually with people is discovering, you know, discovering that process. And oftentimes it's very uncomfortable because when people look at their life, they realize that they're not paying attention to the things that in their heart are the most important to them. Yeah, for sure. I I feel like that would take a lot of, not just time, but like mental effort and emotional effort to like re reframe you're you're reframing essentially your entire life and what for you sure. thought you believed for a very long time 100 percent. Mm. in terms of kind of um you know a lot of people are very very busy nowadays even though we just had you know a pandemic or whatever uh, people are still busy at home uh-huh. uh so what kind of habits can people employ uh to kind of allow them to think about these things yeah I mean, look, busy is an interesting word, right? I don't, my, my clients are not allowed to use that word. It's literally a story that has, that has a negative vibration attached to it. Mm -hmm. And it is a, it is literally a trance that people will, will put them in. And you'll notice when do people mention that they're busy, right? They mention that when they're stressed out, overwhelmed, and they're trying to back you off, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's almost like a precursor, like, don't ask me to do anything, right? I'm busy. Or, Hey, did you get a chance to do that? Instead of dealing with, yes, I did. Or, you know, no, I didn't. Right. There's some sort of lack of integrity. They'll just throw busy at you. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not an empowering framework. Yeah. So as a, as a separate, as a different framework, we have the concept of plan your work, work your plan. And what that means is you spend time focusing on setting up what it is that you, what what is that you want? So generally we just work on one week at a time, right? So we call it unfolding, meaning you stand in the the creation of the thing that you want, and then you work backwards from there. And then in there, you have your workout time, you have your time with the family, you have all of those things that are built in, right? That are already there. And then when it comes through going through your week, the challenge becomes, do not throw, do not change your schedule. Right. Right. Don't throw out time with the kids because your work, you know, your work went over. It really is like training yourself to honor your agreements to yourself and also to the the people in your life versus being at the effect of your circumstances. Right. Mm -hmm. Busyness is when people are at the effect of their schedule and the things that are going on in their life. And there's absolutely no power there. If you'll notice people that are insanely productive, generally speaking, it's because they've, they've mastered this game, right? Richard Branson goes swimming, you know, while he's building rockets to the moon and all of those things, right? Because he's built a team around him and he has a, a system for how to, how to control time, right? He's not, he's not controlled by time. He's in control of time, meaning he's organizing his life in the way that he wants it. So Mm. that it's a challenge, right? But Google Calendar, man, it works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like this definitely wouldn't happen overnight. And I'm guessing it would take people like a long time to figure out something that actually works for them. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you have everything, everything that you have in your life right now is a is a function and an outcome of the way that you've approached your life up till now. And oftentimes, we're very attached to the way that we already do things. Um, because we feel like if I were to not do that, I would be out of control, right? 
Um, so it literally is a process of rewiring your mind and your the way that you the way that you approach things. So giving up what you already know and being willing to discover something newly. And I love what you said earlier about, you know, not being controlled by your schedule and controlling it yourself. I think that's something that uh, that's that's a way of thinking of it that I've never thought about before. And I think might actually help me (laughs) get control of my own schedule. So thank you for that. Um, Moving on to kind of um, our practice slash habit segment, which is where we talk about um, something that our listeners can actually do in order to kind of little things that they might be able to do to help become physically healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. So what, what would you recommend as a practice or habit um, that someone, especially, you know, I know we said we don't like the word busy, but someone who might not have feel like they have a lot of time on their hands. um, What might they do? Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a couple of them. First of all, I think habits are absolutely critical, right? Aristotle said, thousands and thousands of years ago that literally you you become what your 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 character is an outgrowth of what you of, of what you do habitually and so i in in our and i believe our lives are a result of things that we do habitually so if you're going to change anything you have to change things that you do daily yeah. um but there, i think that there are a few things that that anybody can do that are free and they have probably the most um, they can create the biggest results and they are for me there. You mentioned it earlier, right? Sleeping effectively. So, and, and again, it's always about deconstructing any habit, right? So if you're going to sleep well, I learned this from Tim Ferriss, by the way. So if anybody that, 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 if you don't know Tim Ferriss, he wrote the four hour work week, the four hour body, the four hour chef, he's a genius. And his biggest gift is to, um, deconstruct a ha- and habits, Right. He takes the people that are the best in the world at a particular thing and, and, and deconstruct it. So with sleep, you want, you got to have the right, you know, temperature in the room. You want to have like eye masks or blacked out room. And the number one thing is you got to make sure that you turn your devices or your whatever, whatever, um, digital products that you use off at a particular time so that you can be asleep at a certain time. And then the key is waking up at the same time every day. So if, for example, you need to catch up on sleep, never sleep in. It's devastating. You want to just go to sleep earlier. Really, you want to sleep, you want to wake up at the same time every day. Um, So I think sleep is a critical one. Um, The other two that are also super easy are fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, you, with, if, if you do, let's say you do, I've done intermittent fasting every day for the last four and a half years. Mm-hmm. So here, here are the, the keys, the, the, the upside to fasting is you don't have to eat breakfast. <laughs> and if you get really good at it, like me, you don't even have to eat lunch. Right. So you're, yeah. you're cutting out, you're cutting out two, um, periods of time where you could be doing other things. And also they, you actually get a lot more energy. Mm-hmm. So fasting, whether it's, um, I, I, whether you do prolonged fasting or you do intermittent, like time restricted eating, those are two that that's a simple thing that you can do. That's, that's free. Um, and then the last one would be meditation, mm-hmm. whether it's 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Um, you know, there's so many free apps that you can mm-hmm. do, and there's probably nothing that has more direct impact on your, on your physical and mental well-being than being able to again control the the vibrations in your in your mind being able yeah. to 
your mind is the creator of everything, right? Including the things that you don't want. And most of the time we're always focusing on the things that we don't want. And we are constantly creating more of the things that we don't want. And meditation is the process of stopping and just noticing what is in your, what is in your thoughts and then being able to just let go of the ones that are not serving you. And most people don't do that. They're just run constantly by the thoughts that they're having and thinking that those are real. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit more about meditation because it's something that like I often struggle to pick up as a practice. I've tried so many times, but it's just Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, not sticking. Um, What, how kind of, what would you say to someone to convince them (laughs) that meditation is the way? Well, I mean, first of all, learning about why, why meditation Mm -hmm. is something that you should do. I think that's critical. Same with fasting, to be honest. When, when people see that their cognitive health can increase, that they can lose weight, they'll have, they'll have more energy. They literally, their brain will start producing more what they call BDNF, which is like essentially neurotransmitters in your mind. Mm-hmm. All of that just by doing this one simple thing. People are like, okay, you know, if you say do fasting and, and what they hear is, you know, don't eat, nobody wants to do that, right? Yeah. But if they know what the benefits are. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with meditation, you know, the, the scientific evidence for why meditation is important is unbelievable. I mean, things that monks have been talking about for thousands of years are now are now um, demonstrable empirically using EEG machines and hooking up to people's brains. Um, so that's really the number one thing is have connecting it to what they want. And all human be all human behavior is belief driven. So if you get if you want someone to do something or to see something as valuable, you got to connect it to what they want. Right. Right. And right. and most people, if you ask them, they they're overworked, they're overstressed, they they feel out of control, and they just want some peace of mind <laughs> in their life. And meditation is by far the number one thing that you can do to achieve all of those things. Yeah, it's definitely powerful. Uh, what are kind of three good things? You've already talked about a lot of good things about meditation, but what are kind of the three best things that you would find that you have found uh, about it? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think the reduction of an- anxiety, mm-hmm. right? That's Very a big tangible. one that I think a lot of people need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since the pandemic, we've never seen a global crisis around mental health like we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think reduction of, of anxiety, um, the reduction of, you know, even some people deal with depression, um, the, the reduction of those, those symptoms. Um, the, the, the feeling of well-being that I mentioned earlier, which is one of the critical components of, of health and wellness, in my opinion, um, is something that is directly connected to meditation. People right. that do meditation regularly, even if it's for short periods of time, the number one thing that they report is a, a reduction in anxiety and an increased sense of well-being. And mm-hmm. when you have an increased sense of well-being, everything else in your life will be uh, much more likely to fall into place. So those two things. And then I think um, the other two I would say are sleep right? You're, you're much more likely to sleep better when, when you're, when you're able to get into what they call like an alpha, an alpha and a, and a delta and a theta brainwave. Um, and then thinking clearly, Mm -hmm. cognitive, 
cognitive function. You know, mm. I can't tell you how many people come to me and the, num- the what they want is more energy and they, they want to feel like they can focus. We have a, a, what I would say a crisis in attention mm-hmm. going on in the world because of social media and, and different things. And, I, and don't get me wrong. I love social media. It's got a lot of upsides, <laughs> but the, the stimulus response that young people are dealing with right now is has a devastating impact on anxiety and a, a, a the the capacity to focus on one task for more than 30 seconds. Yeah, I definitely as someone who didn't really grow up with social media but kind of found it in my later adolescence um I can definitely understand that, yeah, it has ruined (laughs) my attention span for sure. Um, So, yeah, I do get that. Um, In terms of, I guess, we talked a little bit, but what what are kind of the challenges that people find in, like, taking up meditation as something um, that they need to do? Well, I mean, I I think we've touched on it. I think people's number one thing is they – the two things that I hear the most are I don't have time. Mm. and I can't sit still, right? People really, people really, uh, Pascal, Blaise Pascal was a famous philosopher. He said that the, all of the problems uh, in humanity are are a result of man's inability to sit quietly in a room by himself. (laughs) He said himself, but you know, we, we would now say oneself. Um, And I think that's a big part of it. People are unnerved by dealing with themselves and when they start getting present to how the little voice in their head is always, always going, it's always chattering. Mm -hmm. Um, that can be very confronting for people. I say, so I think those are the two main things is having them understand that there is no right way of doing meditation. Mm -hmm. It's not about emptying your mind. You will never achieve that. (laughs) Um, and that you can really fit it in at any, at, you know, you can, you can fit in five, 10, 15 minutes for meditation every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you said it's not about emptying your mind, what would you say it's about then? Paying attention to your mind. Paying attention. So meditation oftentimes, you know, there are people who have been meditating for decades who, you know, will report that they have a sense of emptiness of the mind. Um, but these are enlightened beings. Um, <laughs> the, really, the intention of meditation is about being aware of what is going on. Because the more that you notice the thoughts that you are having, mm-hmm. and as long as you don't resist them, right? So that's really the task of meditation. Notice what's there and then don't resist what's there. It will just float away. Like if you have a thought and you don't try to resist having that thought, it will float away. Mm-hmm. So it, meditation is not about emptying your mind. It's about noticing what's already there. Right, right. Um, how often should someone practice meditation if they were to take it up? I mean, the the science shows that I mean, look, if you can do meditation for long periods of time every day, you're going to get exponential results. There's no doubt about that, right? Um, If you do TM and other kind of mantra-based meditations, a lot of the research has shown 20 minutes twice a day. So kind of bookending bookending your day, um, you know, in the morning and then at night during a wind down or, you know, in the morning and then at, at, at lunchtime, you know, a lot of times people will just go into a little room. Um, 
those are those seem to have the best results uh, is you know twice daily for short short periods of time. What 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 do you mean by TM? What exactly is that? Sorry, oh. sorry, yeah, I'm using lingo. So <laughs> that's called uh, transcendental meditation, and right. it's something that has was made famous by uh, a gentleman named David Lynch, mm-hmm. and some like Not Jerry the director, Seinfeld. right? Yes, the director. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, David. The, the David Lynch Foundation is probably the, the they're probably the biggest proponent of TM in the world. So right. he. He got like Jerry Seinfeld, um, you know, very, very, very famous people. Um, Russell Brand is now uh, a big, uh, a big proponent of transcendental meditation. Um, Essentially, it's just a method of meditating. They give Mm -hmm. it's mantra based. And um, so, yeah, that's TM is, is, is mantra based meditation. Right, right. So there's like different forms that people can take and there's no kind of right way to do it. It's just kind of what works for you. Yeah. I mean, I say in, when people first start, you know, if if you if doing guided meditations are easier for you, just do that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I always say the best type of meditation is the one that you're going to do. And the mm-hmm. one that you're going to do is oftentimes the one that has the less resistance involved. So do whatever works for you. I was trained in Vipassana. And Vipassana is like a, it starts off being a 10 day silent meditation retreat where they teach you a body scan technique. So instead of a mantra based technique, you're at, you're literally scanning your, your body. Um, but the, the idea is similar, which is you you want to find a singleness of focus, whether you focus on a candle or you focus on a particular part of your body, or you focus on a particular mantra, or you focus on someone else's voice through a guided meditation. Um, it's singleness of focus is what is the, the, what the training is. Right. right. Lots of different ways to do it. Hmm. Um, you mentioned, you know, there's different forms and people set up a different time to do it based on what form. Um, if someone was to do, you know, a 10 minute or five to 10 minute guided meditation, what Mm -hmm. is kind of the best time to do something like that? When can people, when is it most effective? I mean, it's probably the most effective. I would say that there would be two times. One is first thing in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So the more, you know, a lot of the spiritual traditions will wake up at like, you know, four or five in the morning um, because it's prior to your little, the little voice in your head kicking in with all the things that, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. Um, there is a particular vibrational frequency that's present in the morning that diminishes as the day goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so morning time would be, the best time to do that. Um, the next best time would be any other time or, um, you know, if you're feeling very scattered, uh, that's a time to just stop, find your center and just release whatever the obsessive sort of thinking is. So Mm. I would say those are the, those are the, the, the two times that would be the most, you get the most out of them. This is going to be a stupid question. But are no stupid questions. <laughs> what if you uh, were to fall asleep <laughs> during your meditation? Is that something we should be ashamed about, or is that something that we should just allow to happen? Okay, um, it's funny that you said ashamed. It's like my my number one thing that I work with people is actually getting rid of guilt and shame. As someone who dealt with addiction for a long time, the number one thing that causes people to do more of the thing that they the things that they don't want is is 
guilt and shame. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of what you said in particular, there's no, there's no, there's no problem if you fall asleep, right? Ultimately it's not the, it's not the intention of meditation. Um, but there's nothing, I mean, if you fall asleep while you're meditating, it probably just means you need to, you, you, you're, you're lacking sleep. Um, and you know, you'll wake up feeling rested, you know? So I, I would never, I would never worry about that. It's not a problem. Okay. Well, that should settle a few people down if they feel like it's something that they keep doing. Um, what, how do you feel like meditation impacts your personal development or perhaps your perception in life? Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of perception in life, I, I, I believe that mindfulness is mm-hmm. probably, if we prioritized one thing as a human species, um, I think mindfulness would have the, the highest returns. Um, because most of the time we go around living someone, we live someone else's narrative and we live our life by someone else's plan. And oftentimes we don't realize it until it's too late, right? A midlife crisis mm-hmm. is literally, you know, you've heard that, that, that phrase, right? It's literally yeah. someone who's been driven by a narrative that's not theirs. And, and then they realize, oh my God, I've given up all of this time and I'm not living, you know, my own life. Um, I think that meditation is going to be the, the, the thing that has the, the biggest capacity for you to examine the thoughts that you already have. And it's going to expand your, your ability to, for self-awareness. And I, I just believe that self-awareness is the number one thing. We just need, <laughs> we don't need, but it, it's, it's the thing that's worth devoting your whole life to, you know, you know, if you're going to, die uh and 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 feel really good about the way that you lived your life being self-aware is going to have a huge a huge place in that so i think that um you know i think it has a huge impact on on personal development and i think it has a huge impact on perspective um and i don't think i don't think that i could say that more strongly like i really do believe that meditation has the capacity for a transformation in life. I, you know, you were mentioning like looking back on your life and feeling like you lived a good life. You can't really know that you have lived a good life unless you're aware of what actually happened or what you actually did, I suppose. And, 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 and that, and that's, and if you think about that in the macrocosm, each day is a microcosm of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you start journaling, right, it's another great practice Mm -hmm. and, and you're not aware of really what you're doing and why you're doing it each day, then you're living someone else's life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a a day well spent is a day done intentionally, Mm -hmm. right? You are doing the things that you want to do and you're doing them on purpose because you're choosing to do them. And the other, the, the flip side of that is you're not living by choice and that's, that's not a life. Mm, yeah, I think that's very well put. Um, you mentioned journaling, but kind of in your experience, would you, do you have any kind of other practices or habits that you would combine with meditation in order to kind of make the most out of it? Yeah, right. I mean, writing. I mean, I think I, 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 I don't know if, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yeah, I do. 
Okay. Jordan Peterson is someone who's exploded on the scene in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I, I did one of his programs, which is called self self authoring program. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I've taken away from Jordan is critical thinking is a byproduct oftentimes of writing and getting clear about what you actually think. Very few people spend time examining their own thoughts and getting clear about what they actually think. And I think if you take time to meditate and then you take what you're discovering for yourself, like bring an intention into meditation. Let's say I, let's say today I, I want to bring the intention of feeling love and having the experience of gratitude, right? And I bring that into a meditation. Mm-hmm. And then I unpack what I discovered for myself in that meditation through writing. Um, I think that our capacity for critical thinking is going to skyrocket and to think clearly. And I, I just don't, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that people think very clearly. Mm. Yeah, that's I why think that... I think philosophy is 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 good. Whether people do it as a as an academic discipline, like I did, um, is a totally different story. But critical, you know, critical thinking and writing and storytelling, you know, if if kids had more of that, um, I think mm. it would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. I think like uh, writing stuff down helps it can help solidify as well kind of the thoughts in your head. It, it, it makes it almost impossible to escape and you have to acknowledge them. Yeah. And if, you, if you've seen any of the data on the difference between someone who says their goals and writes down their goals, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. There is something magical that happens when you take a thought and you speak it and then you write it. There is, there's something alchemical that happens where it literally you know, manifestation is much more likely and it's much faster when you're able to write that thing down. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. I think that's something that, you know, I have employed and journalism, journaling, I was about to say journalism, that's a very different thing. Journaling is, um, I think, becoming a lot more popular as well nowadays. I think people are realizing the benefits of it. Um, So I guess, Moving on, we've got some questions from our audience that they've sent in. Um, These are a very, very wide range. Physical health is kind of all we told them. And obviously, everyone's got a very different interpretation of what that means. So we've got a very wide range of questions. Um, I guess the most interesting one I found is, um, how do you differentiate between exercise, physical training, and fitness? How do you differentiate between all of those things exercise physical training and Mm -hmm. fitness yes okay (laughs) um i mean exercise would be very general Mm -hmm. right so going for a walk it's exercising you know yoga is exercising um Physical training is, I mean, if, if, if by that you mean strength training, um, then I would say super critical, um, very different than other things. You know, probably the thing that has the most, um, probably has the most return on energy is, is, is strength training. If I could recommend anything to, to people in the area of, let's say, fitness, exercise, strength training, you always want to 
error in the direction of strength training. It increases bone density, increases muscle mass. Nothing, nothing keeps you younger longer than having lean muscle mass and, and, um, having strong bones. So I think that's, that, that's what I would say about that. And then the last one was just fitness. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think fitness is a, is more along the lines of, you know, having stamina and having more, let's say overall, overall fitness, you know, um, you know, I'll just give you an example. You can take someone who's very strong and you put them in a, in a, in a boxing ring, for example, I I used to do a lot of boxing and they're going to be devastated. Right. And so the person is very strong. And so you might see this person is very fit and then you'll find out very quickly that that is not, that's not the, that's not the case. Right. right so yeah. if you look at a CrossFit athlete, oftentimes they're, they're much more dynamic, right? They have a very, they have an incredible balance of let's say fitness and strength training or personal, personal training. So the, these, those two elements are things that combine, um, synergistically, but they are, they're not the same. They work on different, they work on different systems of the body. Mm-hmm. Another really interesting question is how important is mental health in maintaining physical health? I, I mean, I think it's critical, mm-hmm. you know, if, I mean, if you look at the difference, if we just take athletes, right, the difference between an elite level athlete and your average athlete is their mindset. Right. Yeah. It's their, it's their, it's their mental health. Um, if you, there's no, there's just no doubt about that. Like the physical side of things is critical in the sense of fitness, working out, like having a strong physique, like things like that. Right. But the mental health will, mental health will trump your physical health all day, all day long, every day. And, um, because the, it also takes a tremendous amount of mental health to stay disciplined and to have, and to re and to, and to reach peak physical fitness, you know? So I I think that you can't, you can't underestimate the, the impact of mental health on, on physical, on physical Mm -hmm. performance. And going off what we were talking about earlier as well, about, you know, being mentally well allows us to just approach everything else so much easier. It's so important. Yeah. And, and, and I think more than anything else, the ability to deal with obstacles and setbacks, you know, anytime you're dealing with anything that is worth doing, you're going to bump up against obstacles, setbacks, injuries, things like that. You know, Ryan Holiday, who's one of my favorite authors, very clear writer. Um, he wrote a book called the, the obstacle is the way based on, you know, kind of old stoic practices. And that is how I think of the, 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 the intersection between physical and mental health is that you go to elite levels of anything when you have a, when you have perseverance and you have a very strong mindset, right? Angela Duckworth wrote an amazing book called grit and grit was a grit is a, it's basically a formula that has to do with persistence and the ability to overcome challenges and obstacles in life. And what she discovered after years of research of, of uh, military athletes, people that were at the highest level of, of, of athletic endeavors, is that the, the, the thing, and, and sorry, an academic um, success, the thing that was the number one um, separator 
was what she called grit, but it was essentially having an incredibly strong mindset. Right, right. Um, what, how, how can I find time? I mean, this is, I guess, what we talked about this entire show, but to put it mm -hmm. into kind of more succinct words, how do I find the time to stay healthy in a busy schedule? Two words there, I know that we hate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll never find the time to do anything in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you t time, if you're going around looking for time, it, you'll never find it, right? You'll find an mm -hmm. endless amount of other stuff that people want you to do, things that mm -hmm. things that are, you know, Stephen Covey in, in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he's got four grids, right? And most people spend most of their time doing things that seem urgent and are not important. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have things that are urgent, things that are important, right? Like that. And mm -hmm. oftentimes we spend all of our time in the quadrant doing things that are urgent, meaning they're like a fire to put out and they're not important. And oftentimes there's someone else's, there, there's someone else's agenda, right? Most of the yeah. time people go around actioning things that are urgent for someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, so you'll never find time to do anything. Time is something that is a creation. So if you want, you know, and you've probably heard this being said many times, but you will always make the time to do things that are important to you. So, you know, all you can do is create. <laughs> so if you want to do, if you want to be healthy, you have to carve out the time. You know, you have to schedule it in. <laughs> schedule it in, you know, making sure, you know, so many, so many people think that scheduling and discipline and organization is means a lack of spontaneity. And so yeah. people will resist scheduling things. And the reality is the exact opposite. The more regimented you are, the more scheduling, the, the more scheduled that you are, the more you know, when you have time, to do things, you know, you know, when the white spaces are on your calendar and you can schedule in vacations, you can schedule in time to, with your family, you can schedule in time with your friends, you know, making sure those things happen. Um, so yeah, that would be my answer is you're never gonna, you're never gonna find time to do anything. You it's kind of creation. have to make the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, another question is how do I begin to start eating healthy? You begin to start eating healthy by not eating things that are in a box, a can, or come from a restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Pollan wrote a book called uh, Eat Real Food, Mostly Plants. I think that was the name of the book. And the key takeaway that I, that I got from the book, he's an amazing researcher, by the way. Um, he said that after all the research that was done, the, 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 the one thing that made the biggest difference in people's health was cooking their own food. Right, right. Because you know what's going in it. You know what's not in it. Um, you're not using preservatives and lots of other things. Um, so I would say that is the, the, the first thing is stop eating processed foods. If it's in a package or it's in a box or it's in a can, it is probably not good for you. You know, mm. in that book, he said food is meant to be an ingredient, mm -hmm. not have ingredients. Right. So if you're eating a lot of things that have ingredients, you're not eating real food. So eat right. real food. Yeah. Yeah.
Okay, that's pretty good advice. This is not a list of questions, but I am thinking about uh, my brother who wants to eat healthy but cannot cook to save his life. What mm -hmm. can people like that do um, in order to yeah, become I mean, healthy eaters? Yeah, I, look, I think in, in this day and age, there is kind of like this double-edged sword where people are starting to realize that your fast food restaurants and things like that have caused a tremendous amount of um, sickness in our, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just speak for America. They call it SAD, yeah. the standard American diet. Um, mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are a lot of, let's say, conscious companies that are starting to come out. If you look at companies like uh, Chipotle and Panera, uh, a lot of these, you know, Whole Foods is a big brand here in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. There is, there is, because of awareness, this is the good part of social media, by the way, companies can't hide, right? They'll, the people put them on blast constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The good side of that is you do have a lot of eco-friendly and health conscious companies that are not able to get away with the same nonsense that they used to get used to used to. Um, so eat in, in places if you really can't cook. Um, we have a company called HelloFresh that, 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 that drops off um, fresh ingredients with like a, with like a, uh, what are they? I think like, we have HelloFresh in Australia as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got to, it. They literally take like 10 minutes. Like all of yeah. their meals take between like 10 and 15 minutes. They give you all of the food and they give you a, like step-by-step -step instructions for, for cooking. So if you can't cook, learn to cook because it will extend <laughs> the quality of your life dramatically. Okay, so if my brother is listening, um, the advice is learn how to cook and stop asking other learn, people to cook for you. Yeah, learn how to cook, bro. Learn <laughs> for how sure. To cook, bro. I, I will very enthusiastically pass this information on to him. Um, uh, another question is, uh, should we eat before or after exercise and what should we be eating? Um, so you mean for performance in particular and like recovery mm -hmm. and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is an interesting one. So there's kind of two approaches. One is like, like I said earlier, I do, I do fasting every day. So yeah. I work out fasted. Um, okay. it, it actually creates, um, let's say like less power, less speed when you're doing, when you're doing your exercises, but your body is producing a tremendous amount of growth hormone. So if you want to build a lot of, let's say lean muscle mass workout fasted, right? You're going to burn tremendous amounts of fat, tremendous amounts of calories, and your body's, your body is producing growth hormone, which will help mm -hmm. you build, build lean muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So that would be one strategy is workout fasted. So you don't eat. Um, okay. and then you have a very short window actually, after you eat to, um, consume food. So you want to consume things that are, um, that have, you know, protein, that would be a, a critical mm -hmm. thing, right? You know, after you work out things that have your amino acids, things that are, that are, that have protein, and you probably want to stay away from, um, simple carbohydrates as much as possible. Um, you know, if you're going to eat a lot of carbohydrates after working out is a time to do that because you're going to metabolize them very quickly. Um, but also sugar or simple carbohydrates actually open up your cells. So after you work out, if you do take a simple carbohydrate, you're, you're, if you do take like, let's say fat with it, it just, it sucks right into the cells. Um, right. 
So I would say either workout fasted or, you know, if you're going to have something like a simple carbohydrate, something like that, eat before you work out. Um, it will help with, you know, speed explosion, things like that. Mostly just stay away from simple carbohydrates. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to feed before you work out, then just a balance of carbohydrates coming from plants, protein, you know, whether you're, whether you eat them, you know, primarily a plant source of protein, plants are a great source of protein, mm -hmm. um, and fat. So a nice balance between complex carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Actually, every meal should be that, to be honest, right. a balance between yeah. good fats, um, quality protein and complex carbohydrates. Complex carbohydrates, for sure. Um, final question, and this is a really interesting one. Um, how do we meditate uh, when we are busy parents and with kids around? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I mean, mm. you, in, you just have to do it intentionally. Right. So if the, you know, you just got to let kid, the kids know mommy and daddy are going to be, you know, being away for 15 minutes or, you know, put them in the crib or, you know, put them somewhere where they're not going to be, you know, harming themselves or whatever um, yeah. and carve that out or do it before they wake up, do it while they're eating, um, you know, finding those pockets where you can be undisturbed. Those are those are critical. You know, my favorite hack when it comes to meditation is do it at the same time every day. Make it literally an association in your mind where you're doing it at the exact same time every day. So it might be wake up, meditate, then shower, then eat, then like like that. Um, so if you make it the number one priority, then it will, you know, you'll have that time. Um, so, I mean, everybody's got to navigate this, you know, life is, has its own challenges, you know, but yeah. the, 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 the key is it's worth it. So find, find what works for you that you have insight timer is a great app. Calm is, is a, is a great app. Um, waking up by Sam Harris, who's one of my favorite authors, an incredible thinker, human being. He's got a great app as well. There's a lot of really amazing apps where you can, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you're in and out. Yeah, I think the digital, I, that's one of the benefits of kind of the di digitization of everything is that there's an app for that, exactly. <laughs> which means um, things that might have seemed a bit far-fetched before are so easily accessible now. I, I, I think that's something that I really like. One of the, one of the good things. <laughs> for sure. Um, so that brings us to the end of our questions from the audience. Um, okay. Now we have the open mic session in which you can kind of talk about anything that you're passionate about um, that's either um, that's somewhat relevant to our topic, but maybe you haven't had the chance to cover so far um, today. Did you have something in mind so far? Um. So I mean, just anything that has to do with like health or physical health yeah. that things yeah. that people might want to do. I mean, go, going back to personal development and also physical health, I think that the easiest thing that people can do to have them have a breakthrough in all of these areas is to get a coach or to put yourself into some sort of accountability program, something mm -hmm. that has accountability. As human beings, there is nothing that we resist more than accountability. And there's nothing that helps us produce results faster than accountability, right? It doesn't matter whether you're Tiger Woods or the greatest athletes on, in, on, on the planet Earth. All of them have coaches. Usually, usually they have a personal trainer, 
uh, a nutritionist, a, uh, a meditation coach, a, you know what I mean? They have coaches for every area of their life. Um, so that's one thing that I would say is find a structured accountability program that you can put yourself in. You know, I've used a, there's a company called Landmark, which they do prefer professional and personal development. Um, I did them starting in 2011 when I was first getting into my recovery process, started using their programs and I've done, you know, Tony Robbins and so many different programs that are out there. Amazing people, Joe Dispenza, Tony Robbins do these types of courses that are, you know, maybe not just a weekend, but something where you can get into a seminar, you have a coach and you have someone that will work with you over an extended period of time. Um, that is going to get you the most value for your money and get you the most return on your own personal investment of time is outsourcing. You know, (laughs) if you just notice, if you go, if you go to the gym by yourself and you go to the gym with a personal trainer, right? Yeah. You're going to get a lot more out of every time that you work out. If you have someone that's like, no, 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 one more, Mm. no, 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 one more. Right. And then you might wake up on a Wednesday. Oh, I don't feel like going. Right. But if you have, if you know that you're meeting your, your personal trainer there, you're going to go, you know, you're not going to text them and be like, Hey, I'm not feeling, you know, I'm not feeling it. They're going to be like, suck it up, you know? (laughs) Um, But if you don't have that, you're very likely to not do the things that you want to be doing. So that has always been my rule of thumb. If I want to write a book, if I want to create a podcast, if I want to do anything, you know, I got to find a way that my butt is on the line and I'm accountable to someone else and not yeah. just not just to myself. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's also, you know, for a lot of people, those feelings of self-doubt, like, am I doing it right? Or like, sure. am I kind of going in the right direction? Is this actually working for me? Having a coach out there and someone else to kind of put things in perspective can for you can really benefit you. Yeah. I mean, You can't imagine how just hearing Mm. you're doing a great job and keep going, you know, people will, sometimes people are so stressed out. You just tell them that they'll burst into tears because no one, no one gives them acknowledgement or tells them, you know, you're doing a great job, (laughs) you know, just a little bit of encouragement, Mm -hmm. um, you know, can go a long way. You know, so surround yourself with cheerleaders, man. Accountability and encouragement, both really, really important. Um, But thank you so much uh, for joining me today uh, on the show, Nathan. It was really, really lovely to have you. Where can we find you? Um, So you can find me on all of the, so Instagram, Nathan ZP McCullough, um, Rising Phoenix Wellness is the name of my, my health coaching brand, also on Instagram. Um, same thing on TikTok, same thing on Facebook, Nathan McCullough. So I'm basically the same thing everywhere. I don't use Twitter. Um, but those are the, and same on YouTube. I have a lot of, um, content and long form podcast type stuff there. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in personal development or recovery stuff or, you know, any kind of health and wellness stuff, um, I'm kind of the same guy everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Our listeners will probably be switching into your channel um, as soon as they're done with this one. Uh, Thank you again uh, for joining us today. It was really, really lovely to speak to you.
it is my pleasure and I appreciate the time for you guys to have me on. And I really, I, I acknowledge you for what you guys are doing. You know, it, the, the world needs, you know, education and encouragement and there's nothing that's more important than mental and physical health. So I really acknowledge what you guys are doing and, and I'm happy to have come on and be a little slice of the difference that you're making. Well, we really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. You've been listening to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.